What is crackalacking, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you once more without my fantabulous co-host, Adam Frommel. I am pumped up, full of caffeine, ready to talk about the next team on our look-ahead train. It's the Utah Jazz. Tony Jones of The Athletic was nice enough to come on and chat with me for about an hour covering everything and anything about the Jazz heading into this season, and even a little bit longer term than that. He covers the Utah Jazz and, and the NBA at large a little bit for the Athletic. He's at T Jones on the NBA on Twitter, at T Jones on the NBA, spelled exactly as it sounds. Great conversation. Highly recommend it with a team where I, there is more to talk about than I think meets the eye. You look at the top seven players in their rotation just being back, and you can kind of write it off as, Oh, there's continuity. They they have Rudy Gay. They got Eric Pascal. They added a side white side. Drafted Jared Butler, who might end up being one of the steals of the draft. We get into all that, but there's a lot more to talk about with this team and their continuity suggests. Before we get started, my usual housekeeping notes slash please. Pretty, pretty please. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Hardwood Knox wherever you get your podcast, whether you actually use iTunes, so long as you have access to it. We ask that you take 10 seconds, search Hardwood Knox. Throw us a five-star rating, write a review. Those help us out on the charts a crap ton. Cannot reiterate how much that helps us. If this is your first time listening to this podcast because you're a diehard Utah Jazz fan, uh, Tony retweeted this and you decided to click on it, you're here somehow by accident, consider throwing us that permanent subscription, downloading all our episodes. We are pleasantly sub-mediocre when it comes to covering the entire NBA at large. We're only mildly the modestly insufferable, which I think. That's a pretty high compliment when looking at today's NBA league-wide media landscape. Follow us on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. Follow us on YouTube, youtube.com, search Hardwood Knox. Hit that subscribe button. And we're on Instagram at Hardwood underscore Knox. Without further delay, let's get to talking all things and then some Utah Jazz with Tony Jones. Thank you so much for coming back to the Hardwood Knox podcast to talk some Utah Jazz with me ahead of the start of this season. First and foremost, though, how are you doing? I am good. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm uh, fired up. I'm ready for the season to start. And what, what are we? Nine days out now? Or wait a minute. When is when is the when 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 are we rec- when are we publishing the podcast? It'll be about eight days out. So this is going. We're recording late Sunday night. It's going up on Monday. Yeah. So, um, okay. So we'll be eight days out. Yes. It's coming. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Um, it's good that you're ready because as I've been going through these things, I keep thinking that I probably could have used like another 10 or 12 days of the off season. I'm not going to lie. Um, why? Uh, another 10 or 12 days just as a, to get my bearings a little bit more. I probably would have liked to have had more of these podcasts out for one, but, um, I think we're in kind of a marathon of basketball ever since the, the bubble and the off seasons have been short and I'm excited as always, but I could have used probably another, just, you know, maybe like 10 days, week and a half. That is fair. That is fair. So I agree with you there. I mean, so next, next, so the, the, the flip side is right. Like next year at this time, well, not at this time, but next year we're going to have a regular off season and we're going to have like six weeks of nothing instead of what, like three or four weeks of nothing. And right. we're all gonna be we're all gonna be like fiending. Yeah. At that point. So I mean, look, Twitter was fiending already. So if you give them another like, you know, two, three, four weeks on top of what we just had, I um I'll have to remove myself from social media for a little bit. Well that that's the thing. Like you give another three or four weeks, like, you know, the takes are gonna fly. Yeah. So. Um with the jazz specifically, is there 
um, before even getting into the roster, just kind of looking at how the past two seasons ended where um, there were legitimate explanations for what happened, uh, but they did blow two leads first in the bubble, the three one lead. And then this past year against a Clippers team. Yes. Mike Conley's banged up. Donovan Mitchell's banged up, but the Clippers don't have Kawhi. They're up two to Oh, don't even get to a game seven. Is there like, there's always a sense of urgency with a team that's this good, but is there maybe a little bit more of a sense of urgency just given how their past two postseasons ended? Um, I think there has to be. Um, um, I think the, you know, the, the, the balance that they have to strike is, um, you know, the, the sense of urgency combined with not panicking. Like you have to be, they have to be, you know, secure in who they are as a team, but they have to be urgent at the same time. And, you know, the urgency that that's around the franchise is frankly, you know, out of the control of the players, right? So mm-hmm. what's the urgency? The urgency is that next year, you know, th- this franchise becomes a repeater luxury tax yeah. franchise, correct? So that's the urgency there. So, you know, next summer, you know, whether this Jazz team wins a championship or not, there's going to be some some pretty difficult decisions that have to be made, you know, ab- above above the level of the players. So that's the urgency there. The urgency is the urgency that's probably in the con- players control is that, you know, Rudy Gay is 35 years old. Uh, Joe Ingles is approaching his mid 30s. Bojan Bogdanovic is in his 30s. Mike Conley is is 34 years old and you know starting to develop a history of soft tissue injuries you know things like that so you know the urgency you know the urgency there is okay you know maybe the core of the team you know Donovan Mitchell is 25 and 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 Rudy Gobert is 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 29 and still in his prime um but you know the core pieces around the two star pieces, you know, are, are getting a little bit long in its tooth. So there's urgency there. And I think the general urgency urgency is that in the NBA, windows aren't open very long for small market teams. Like, yeah, for sure. Just aren't. Like if you're, a, if you're a small market team, you better well take advantage of it. I mean, even the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, with, you know, one of the three greatest players, you know, ever, their their window wasn't open very long. So, you know, they, you know, it's 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 definitely it's definitely one of those things where, you know, uh, I mean the 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 Jazz have a window. Um, you know, you probably wouldn't label them the the specific favorite, but I mean they're they're a team that's probably a contender. And, you know, they're a team that that if if to me, if if they're going to make that that breakthrough to get past that second round to get get to the Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals or whatever, uh, it's probably going to have to come this year. And if you are them, and you already sort of alluded to this when you were going through um, Bogdanovich, Conley, Joe Ingles, and, and their age, among those three, is there any one like specifically that you might be concerned of seeing a little bit? more of a starker drop off from just given how advanced they are up in years. I mean, you can even go with Rudy Gay, like you said, he's 35 and they just added him to the team as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, is uh, I'm probably the most worried about Joe Ingles because, um, you know, I've seen, 
last past two or three years, um, you know, he hasn't looked fresh in the playoffs. He hasn't looked fresh in the postseason. So if I'm the Jazz, I'm probably going to be, you know, really careful with him this year um, to to try to keep him fresh for the postseason. Um, you know, I'm worried. I'd be worried about Mike Conley, not because of his game. I think his game is actually, you know, pretty darn good at this level. I mean, at, at this age, I think his game is is pretty close to his prime. But, you know, soft tissue injuries are soft tissue injuries. And when they start happening to 30-year-olds, 30, 30 you know, hamstrings, hamstrings at the wrong time, that's something that, that, that you have to be worried about. So if I'm the Jazz, especially with Jared Butler, having Jared Butler this year, I'm going to be really careful with Mike Conley. Like, if I were the Jazz, I might not even play Mike Conley in back-to-backs this year. Okay. At all. Wow. Um, you know, so... You know, it's it's, you know, I, those are the two that that stand out to me. Um, I think Bogdanovich is, you know, obviously his game is, you know, he's 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 such a catch and shoot threat, and you know, he's such a a a, a threat, you know, off the dribble, um, you know, in terms of closeout situations, um, he's he's held up pretty well. Um, you know, I, I think that, that Rudy Gay, once he reinvented his game, uh, he's held up really well. I thought he was really good in, in San Antonio last year. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's a mix and a match. Um, uh, I think that, you know, as long as they're healthy, the two constants during the regular season are going to be, you know, have to be Mitchell and, and Gobert. And then you just kind of, uh, then you just kind of mix and match around those two. The Rudy Gobert discourse, as per usual, um, veered too far from reality, I think, after that Clippers series. And people sort of just harp on the fact that L.A. was smaller, and is that really a problem for Gobert? Where it seems like the real problem was the the players, he doesn't just have athletic defenders in front of him. That's going to make his life more difficult when he has to deal with having, um, you know, like a team that can spread the floor from all five positions. I've also seen people mention that, and this is the one that I'm most curious about, that he needs to figure out a way or the Jazz need to figure out a way for him to punish those sorts of lineups on offense because he's so much bigger. Is that something, looking offensively, that the Jazz actually need to focus? Like, what does that look like? You're not, are you really tossing the ball to Rudy Gobert in the post against a smaller dude just to try and capitalize on that size advantage? Well, I mean, the thing that you, that you, obvi- that you look at on an obvious perspective is um, the the very next series um, Phoenix played the Clippers out of that small lineup because they did that with DeAndre eight. Mm-hmm. Like they come, they, you know, they said, okay, if you're going to put Nick Batum or Terrence Mann or whoever, you know, uh, on, on eight, and we're going to throw eight in the ball and he's going to score and he's going to go to, he's going to go to the offensive boards and he's, he's going to do a number of things, Um, you know, but also, um, you know, Phoenix was healthier than the jazz last year, uh, particularly their um, perimeter guys. So those guys were able to stay in front of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and, and that's the thing with what happened with, um, with with the Jazz against the Clippers, it, it wasn't Rudy Gobert. It was the fact that the other four guys around Rudy couldn't stay in front of anybody. And so, you know, you had 
you know, Donovan Mitchell wasn't able to stay in front of anybody. Mike Conley, you know, in the game that he came back, he obviously couldn't stay in front of anybody. Those two were, those two guys were hurt. Um, you know, Royce O'Neal uh, had issues with Paul George, um, but that was, you know, Paul George was was playing at pretty much an all time level for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kawhi Leonard was getting whatever he wanted. You know, so you know, it, it was it was putting Rudy in impossible situations. Okay, so do I help off of my guy? And then, you know, if I help off of my guy, then there's a guy in the corner that's going to be taking practice level jump shots. And the Jazz made the decision that for that game six, they were going to leave Terrence Mann open. And, you know, and Terrence Mann, uh, to his credit, took advantage of that. So, you know, I I don't, you know, I, I think anybody who who saw those games, uh, who wants to be honest with themselves, um, you know, and, and, you know, knows the game of basketball. Uh, it should have been obvious that, you know, that wasn't on Rudy. That was, that was, that was an, an entire team collapsing defensively. And, you know, if you want to say that Rudy Gobert got played off the floor by the Clippers, I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's not accurate. Uh, but you know it's fine. It's your prerogative. So, you know the 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 point of Rudy being able to to punish teams offensively. Um, you know, France did it in the Olympics, and they gave they threw on the ball, and if you drop the pass, they threw on the ball again. Whether that translates to the NBA, that's 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 one thing. But I mean, it it at least worked. Um, a little bit in international basketball, but you know the you know if the Jazz are going to to beat small ball lineups, um, they're just going to have to guard better, you know, one on one, and that's what they didn't do um, against the Clippers. The the thing that's probably more concerning to me is what has happened the past two seasons to their defense with Rudy Gobert off the court, and I'm wondering if you think they're better built to navigate those stretches when he's on the bench and will they even I think a lot of people have wondered with the addition of Rudy Gay in the non-Gobert minutes in the you know whatever 13 to 18 minutes that he's not on the floor per game for any of that time will they experiment going actually smaller should we be expecting Hassan Whiteside still to soak up a majority of those stretches and the Jazz will play with a traditional big so the thing about it is that in the regular season last year, the Jazz were pretty, actually pretty good in the non-Rudy Gobert minutes um, because Quinn Snyder found, you know, a formula that worked, right? Like he um, bought Derek Favors in to play with, you know, most of the starting lineup. Those guys held their own for, you know, the back half of four first quarters. And then Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert came back and they obliterated second units. So, and then that all changed in the playoffs um, when they when they ran into the Clippers because the Clippers were able to dictate matchups by, by going small. So, you know, the question, the better, I don't want to say the better question, but I think the question for me is how matchup proof can the Jazz get between now uh in the playoffs you know seven eight nine months from now however however long that we have to go into the playoffs 
And that's what's to me what's going to ultimately determine their destiny. Um, because throughout Quinn Snyder's um, throughout Quinn Snyder's tenure as head coach, uh, the problem is that that they have not been um, they have not been matchup proof. Uh, they run into, you know, a team that can spread them out. You know, it's it's it, it becomes detrimental for them. Um, the difference last year, this year, um, from all of the other years is it didn't matter whether they were matchup proof or not. Those teams were just better. The Houston teams were just better. The Golden State teams were just better. Um, you know, last year was the team was the was the first team that they had that you could say, okay, this team can make a deep playoff run. So, you know, and and that's why, you know, that and the recency bias, that's why it's such it's such a stark, um, it's it's such a stark, you know, memory in your mind. So, you know, the question going forward for this jazz team is is if they run into through a Clippers in the playoffs and those those guys try to go small. Or, or those guys go small if they run into another team and they go small or if they run into the Los Angeles Lakers and those guys play two bigs, you know, can they match up or match down That's a good point. Uh, to, 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 to whatever, to whatever, to whatever matchup they, they have to face. One of the things they do have going for them is that one of their two most important players only just turned 25 in Donovan Mitchell. He was, uh, he was so good last year. I thought really weaponized his off the dribble three, there are still things that you can obviously harp on about his game. I thought that his um, overall uh, shot selection felt like it got a little bit better. What does the next like step from Donovan Mitchell look like? Like, what are you looking or thinking that he needs to improve upon the most going forward to help take this team sort of to that next plane? Yeah, the I think the the ability to manage a game is his next step. Right. And when I say manage a game, right, like I'm thinking Mike Conley, Chris Paul, you know, those guys are like maestros. Right. They know exactly who to get the ball to, when to get the ball to that guy, how to get the ball to that guy that needs the ball. Um, They know exactly which play to run. They know exactly which matchup uh, to exploit. And if if Donovan Mitchell, you know, I mean, it's. You know, I, I I use Chris Paul as an extreme example. Like, like uh, it's it's going to be hard for anybody to ever run a team like Chris Paul runs a team. But if Donovan Mitchell gets better at running a team, to go with what he is as an offensive threat, he becomes really lethal in terms of in terms of what he is uh, as a basketball player. Because as a scorer, especially as a playoff scorer. Uh, he's proving to be one of one of the best in the game, and you know. So I think that um, I think defense is an obvious um, place that you that you can point to. Um, you know, I I, I, I so uh, defensively I use Stephen Curry as an example, and so the reason why I use Stephen Curry as an example, right? Because defensively, Stephen Curry is never in a vacuum going to be uh, an above average defender. But what he is, is an extremely competitive defender. So if you get Stephen Curry in space on an island, 
you know, you can take advantage of him. But what Stephen Curry does well defensively is he works hard to not allow himself to, 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 to get on an island and be taken advantage of. So, you know, you're never going to ask Donovan, like you ask Donovan Mitchell, okay, we need you to go and score 26 points a game. We need you to, to get five or six assists a game. We need you to handle um, 35 to 40% of the offensive possessions. We need you to expend a lot of energy offensively. So we don't need you to be Kawhi Leonard defensively. But if he can get to, like, the level of where Curry is, like, super – uh, competitive defensively and not a detriment, then he, be, he becomes um, a much better overall player. So I think that that's, that's the example I would use for, for, for Curry there. I mean, for, for Donovan Mitchell there. And he's someone who has like the capability of proving defensively, right? I guess if you're worried about how much energy he's expending on offense and the usage there, how much energy he has on defense is certainly something to think about. But when you watch him as an actual player, he feels like someone who should be better on defense from the point of attack, from even whatever it is, whether he's away from the ball, whether he's just, you know, in the corners, he feels like someone who should be on a better at defense than he is. Correct. Yeah. So here, here's here's a great example of that, right? Perfect example of that, actually. So two years ago, game seven against Denver in the first round, you know, Jamal Murray's been absolutely destroying the Jazz throughout that entire series, right? Like dropping 50, doing whatever. And so for that game seven, Donovan Mitchell, for, for a large part of that game seven, well, Mike Conley did as well. Um, they both took, you know, they said, okay, we're, we're going to sit down on Jamal Murray and we're going to move our feet and we're going to expend a lot of energy defensively. And that game turned into a rock fight. Um, I believe it was like, what was the final score of that game? It was like 82, 81 or something like that. Um, and Donovan Mitchell was really, really good defensively on Jamal Murray in that one game. And he was really bad offensively and he was really bad offensively because he was exhausted because he had expended so much energy defensively. And um, he turned the ball over, I believe on the final, the, the next, the last offensive possession um, just because he didn't have the juice in his legs uh, to get to where he needed to go. You know, so that you have to, so you don't want Donovan Mitchell to be a turnstile defensively. Mm -hmm. um, but you also don't want him to, to max out his legs defensively and not be able to carry you offensively. Um, so it, it's a balance and it's, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a balance that they're going to have to to strike, but you know, the best players in the league, um, I mean, the best players in the league are guys that, that get it done on both ends of the floor. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll, it's definitely going to be interesting, uh, to see if Donovan can take that next step, um, and, and, and take that next step in his development. Jordan Clarkson was super good last season. We did see some of his shooting percentages slip off as the year go went on. Do you see that performance that he had last year as something that he can repeat? 
Um, I think it it's it's going to depend on where where his jumper is, and you know, and, and if if um, he's able to, um, if he's able to continue to get separation to to uh, to to figure out the shooting and and you know because he shot the ball really well in the first half of the season, he didn't shoot the ball well in the second half of the season. But the, but the thing that that separated Jordan Clarkson from me last year was, you know, he was getting into the lane off the dribble mm. and, you know, he's getting to the basket. He was finishing around the basket. He wasn't quite as good as that in the second half of the season. Um, and I think that he has to try to get back to that um, as well. Um, but, you know, he was, he was somebody who, you know, uh, carried the offense off the bench uh, in, in, in large stretches last year. I remember a game in Indiana last year where it was something like the Jazz's third game in four nights. They were on the road. It was a Sunday game. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was clearly exhausted. Um, I don't think Mike Conley was playing. You know, Donovan had like nothing, um, nothing in his legs. And, you know, they were in the fourth quarter for like eight minutes. The Jazz was like, here, Jordan, you, you go ahead. You, you, you take this possession. And, you know, and, and Clarkson created shot after shot and, and basket after basket, and they ended up winning that game. And, you know, and that, that's, that's stuff that Jordan did for, for the Jazz um, a lot last year. So, you know, I mean, I don't think, you know, I mean, I don't expect him to have, you know, that that was kind of a career year. I don't know if he mm-hmm. can get back to that level. Um, but I mean, the the impact um that he's had um uh, for for the Jazz um in, in in his two years with the team, I mean, it's 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 been pretty notable. Yeah, I think the idea of Jordan Clarkson, even when his shots aren't always going in, at least it does. I mean, he plays in a way where defenses are almost always going to react which helps them, but there's definitely a noticeable difference if his jumper is not falling. He's still, like, his first half or half plus of last season, though, he was just absolutely molten. This this question feels pointless to ask for most contenders, but I was going over some Jared Butler film the other day. Is he someone that could actually crack, like, the top 10 players, uh, like, in the rotation on this team, or is this is that very much a, a non-starter? Um, I think he's number 10 or I think he has a chance to be number 10. I mean, so, you know, you're, you're starting five, you have Donovan Mitchell, you have, um, uh, you have Mike Conley, you have Royce O'Neal, Boyan Bogdanovich, and, and Rudy Gobert. Um, you know, Jordan Clarkson and, and, and Joe Ingles are six and seven. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gay is number eight. Hassan Whiteside is number nine. So n- number 10 and number 11 right now, uh, so you have, so for number 10, you have, you know, Jared Butler, Mieoni, Elijah Hughes, and, and Eric Pascal all kind of vying for that number 10 spot. Um, and Jared Butler's, you know, pretty Filthy. obviously, He's pretty filthy. obviously been, been the best of those guys, you know? So, I mean, I, I would, I would think um that he has it has a shot to be number 10 um 
you know, and the, but, you know, the caveat is this, you know, Quinn Snyder goes nine. So mm-hmm. if you're number 10, you're still not playing every night. You're playing when one in the nine is not there. Um, um, so the question that I have is this. If Rudy Gay misses time in the regular season with the offseason surgery on his heel, who's number 10? Because if 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 Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell or Jordan Clarkson or even Joe Ingles, if if one of those four misses a game, then I'm going to guess that, that Jared Butler is the guy that steps in for one of those guys. But if Rudy Gay misses a game, and that's a true front court guy, then do you do you go small and put Jared Butler in as your number ten guy, or do you do you give Elijah Hughes or Eric Pascal um, the the first crack to to take Rudy Gay's minutes? And I think that that's if Rudy Gay misses time at the beginning of the regular season, I think that's a fascinating question that's going to be answered for me. That was my actual next question was between looking at Oni, Eric Pascal, and Elijah Hughes, which one do you think would have the best chance of making an actual impact on this team uh, this season? Um, I'm, I'm still going to say Eric Pascal um, because he's capable of playing small ball five. And I think that they're going to to use him as such. Um, you know, I think the issue for him is he's got to start making shots. Um, I think that outside of making shots, I, I think he's played relatively well. Uh, I think he's really good off the dribble for a big guy. Um, uh, I think that, that, you know, he can make, you know, quick decisions off the dribble. Uh, I think he can pass the ball. Uh, when he attacks closeouts, things like that. I think that uh, as a pick and popper, he does the right things. He's just got to start making shots. And he's only made like one or two shots during the during during the, the preseason so far. And he's had a lot of open threes. And, you know, if you're going to play for Quinn, you got to you got to make open shots. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that that's that's what what he's got to show uh, in the next few preseason games. I had thought like just before seeing anything in the preseason or looking at what the rotation was, I thought maybe it would be Oni just because of, you know, he's six, five as the six eleven wingspan, but he doesn't even seem like he's been like a huge staple in their preseason. Is that just something they're out on? Has he been dealing with an injury or something that I'm just not, not aware of or, or, you know, what is the story there? Yeah. I, I think that, that he's been, um, you know, I think that the, um, the Jazz have been taking a, a pretty long look at Elijah Hughes. Mm. Um, and I think that Hughes has played well in the preseason, uh, especially in making shots. Um, you know, now with Oni, I, I I can never count him out because he has a specific um, – he has a specific skill uh, that helps this team, which is his his ability to, to, to defend on the perimeter. Um, but he's another guy that's got to start making shots. And, you know, one thing we know about Quinn Snyder, I mean, he, you know, he, he values shot making. Uh, so I think that, that that's something that's got to happen as well uh, for, for me. But I, I, I do think the Jazz really like him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there as well. 
Well, you warmed my heart by making it seem like Jared Butler has a chance to crack um, the top 10 of the rotation. So I'm going to be in a good mood for at least the next 36 hours. because. You oh, said- well, I mean, that that's that's not lip service. The Jazz really like Jared Butler. I really like, like Jared Butler. Like, I still can't believe he really. topped the 40. Yeah, they they really like Jared Butler. And uh, the stuff that he's shown in the preseason, I, I got it. Like there, there have been multiple times during both preseason games that I've had to say, you know what, it's just preseason. We don't know if this is going to translate to the regular season, but there are things that he does. There are things that I've seen in the preseason that he's done off the dribble that the only two guys on that team that can do that off the dribble are Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. And yeah, so yeah. Um, his- I know it's preseason, but his control over the game with you know some of those moments with the ball in his hands, and he had that huge game against against Dallas. That's just man, that that's just like that. It just doesn't look like rookie level stuff. And it's even even though it's preseason, and I know it doesn't necessarily matter like what his draft position was. Like that is the, still the number forty pick. I'm still just floored that, and I know the reasons why he fell that far. I know the health concerns people had. I'm still just that could end up being just like. A phenomenal steal for Utah. If we fast forward a few years down the line, not even looking at this season specifically. So he made a move in isolation against Reggie Bullock, who is a good defender. <laughs> that's what that's what makes it so silly. He made a move against Reggie Bullock in isolation, where you know hit him with a with with a crossover, backed up, hit him with another crossover, and then uh, hit him with a step back to where the separation that he gained, he was above the break. He was above the arc on the break. And Reggie Bullock was basically at the foul line. So that's that's like five, you know, how how many feet of separation is that? Like five or six feet? I mean, yeah. that's kind of insane for an NBA player to be able to do to another NBA player. Yes, I remember the shot you're talking about. He like his step back, it felt like he traveled six feet when he was gathering towards behind the three point line. He also I just I don't watch enough of college basketball to maybe have known this, but he seems like he just has a little like, you know, he had a floater. I think it was like in the fourth quarter of that game where it's just like showcasing absolute control over how to navigate the defense and just have that little push shot in there. He he's more of an I guess an every level scorer than I thought that he actually was coming in. Yeah, he's he's a three level guy. Uh, he's got the floater in the lane. Uh, he he you know he he can finish at the basket and you know obviously he's proficient from above the arc so and he's just really really good off the dribble he's just really good off the bounce and he's a really good pick and roll player um you know so what are the questions about Jared Butler right we question the health um that's an obvious question um but you know, the, the, uh, the other question is, okay, you know, he's not overly big. He's not, you know, he's not overly athletic, but the skill level that he has is so high that, you know, the, the, the skill level is so high that, that, you know, some of that stuff doesn't matter. And his ability to run, pick and roll is just, is just tremendous. So, um, and the thing about it is he's, he's versatile offensively in terms of his style of play. So, he can play with the ball in his hands and he can play without the ball in his hands. So that means a lot because that means he can play with Donovan Mitchell or he can play with Mike Conley or he can play with Ingles uh, or he can play with Clarkson. Um, 
you know, he doesn't have, there's not a lineup that he has to be out there with uh, just because of his scout style of play. And I don't think people realize uh, how difficult that is. You know, there's, there are guys who, you know, if they don't have the ball in their hands, they're, they're just not going to be effective at all. And, and he's effective with or without the ball in his hands. So uh, that's, that's something that, that really helps him. Looking at this roster in some, whether it's a position, a, like an archetype of a, of a player or whatever, what do you view as Utah's biggest weakness heading into this year? I still don't think they have um, the definitive guy who, you know, could just go out, you know, go out there. I think they need one more wing defender. Like, yeah, for sure. I, I really like Royce O'Neal. I think he's a tremendous defender below the foul line. I think he's um, – the the level drops off once he gets above the foul line. Um, uh, Rudy Gay's defensive numbers last year were really good. Um, but you know, can you say, okay, um, you know, soak up, you know, 10 to 12 possessions in a row on Kawhi Leonard or, or Paul George or whatever. Can he do that? Uh, you know, at a playoff level, I don't know. Um, you know, so I, I, I think that if you are Justin Zanuck, I think that the, the one thing that, that you might want to do is still try to. Uh, figure out if you can get a wing defender uh, at some point over the course of the year. Um, um, you know, even, I mean, look at Phoenix, right? Like, you know, they, they know, I mean, well, number one, you know, Mikael Bridges is, I mean, he's, he's amazing. Yes. He's amazing. Uh, and, and Cam Johnson is pretty darn good himself. Um, yeah. But if they need like, you know, three or four possessions, uh, or if they needed three or four possessions last year, what did they do? They looked down their bench, Tory Craig, go in there, give us three for three or four possessions on this guy. And I don't think the Jazz have that guy right now. You know, also, so I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to drop. No, you. go ahead, go ahead. I'm listening. I was just gonna say the thing with Rudy Gay too, where he was kind of fine defensively, is like he was more of a like you call him a perimeter bit. Like that's not someone that San Antonio was just like, Hey, go out and defend wings at the age of, you know, 34, 35. Right. Right. The, exactly. Um, you mentioned Royce O'Neal, by the way, really quickly. And this is a, something that I've been doing like a while ago over the off season that, you know, it floored me when you talk about it, but it makes sense. Just contextualizing how important he is or how much Utah relies on him. There were 404 players who logged at least 250 minutes last year. B-Ball Index does this thing where they measure how much time they spent on the highest usage player defensively. Royce O'Neal led the league in the amount of defensive possessions he spent guarding the highest usage player on the, the other team among those 404 players. Like that's, you know, I think he's great, but like you just need, like you need to diversify that perimeter defense somehow beyond having a Joe Ingles there or just staying the course with, you know, sometimes – it just, I mean, like you, you're looking at that. If Donovan Mitchell improves, maybe that helps, but you can't really expect Mike Conley to get better, Joe Ingles to get better. Boyan Bogdanovich has like these nights where he looks really good one on, but he's just never going to be that guy. So um, that's basically just my Royce O'Neal appreciation rant. <laughs> yeah, you know, so full disclosure, I voted, I voted Royce O'Neal second team all defense last year. That's not egregious uh, at all. I think that's totally fine. I think I was one of four who gave him a vote. Um, but 
you know, like he completely, like he completely deserved it just be, deserved it just because, I mean, it was just like, okay, we need, okay, we're playing Kawhi. We need you to go get Kawhi. Um, tomorrow night we got, um, we got LeBron. So go get LeBron. Uh, Tuesday night we got Giannis. So have fun with that. Um, Oh, by the way, this road trip continues. We got Kevin Durant the next day. <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, good luck with that. We all got your back. We good. We good, right? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I thought that he was – I thought he was terrific. Um, you know, credit the Clippers for being able to to figure out how to, you know, get those guys out in space and 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 – and 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 do what they did um um but you know Royce throughout the in, entire season I mean he was he was pretty darn important to to what the Jazz um were were able to do and I think that he'll be really important this year as well and and I will say this I, I think that this is um I think that this is somewhere where I think that that Eric Pascal can help. And what I mean is this. I think Royce um in in large part last year was was Utah's toughest player. And and you know Eric Pascal's a tough guy. And I think Rudy go Rudy Gay is a tough guy as well. And you know Donovan is a tough guy, but you can't have your best player or one of your two best players be the tough guy because they they can't be the ones taking the technical fouls Mm -hmm. so i think there uh i I think that 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 eric pascal can help in that in that vein uh yeah i mean look i that's a great point and i just i i would i don't think there's any issue with i think royce o'neill is an all defense caliber defender so i would agree with you there i mean like look the dude was or it was, he is six, four. And like, they're throwing him up against monster wings or like, you know, you're seeing reps against actual fours is just incredible. This question, I don't mean to make it so simple, but I think when you just look at the jazz, you already mentioned their top seven guys are just, they should be the same from last year. And so you make those slighter tweaks towards the middle to back end of the rotation with a Rudy Gay, a Hassan Whiteside, a Zarek Pascal play. What's the actual path to this team being better because we've talked a lot about regression from last season, but being better than last season, when you look at all they did, especially in the regular season, having the, um, you know, having the best record and all that, what is the pathway to them being even better than that? So the pathway to being better is being a better playoff team. That's, that's the pathway. So this team could theoretically be a three seed, but be a better team if they become a better playoff team. So. Um, the pathway for that to me is, is Rudy Gay, um, and, 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 and Donovan Mitchell, because I think Donovan Mitchell has another level that he can hit. Um, you know, I think he has another clear level that he can hit. Um, and the sec, the second thing is, you know, I think that Rudy Gay, if this signing goes the way the jazz are hoping it goes, he adds stuff to this team that I didn't have. Like, you know, I don't think that there was a front court guy that the Jazz could come down and say, go get me a bucket. 
in the in the in a playoff setting. And I think Rudy can Rudy Gay can do that. I don't think that there was a guy um that you know that you could say, okay, we we need you to guard the four or we need you to go ahead and guard the five or we need you to spend one or two possessions at the three. Um and I think Rudy Gay can, could possibly do that. Um, I think that by the end, by the end of game six last year against the Clippers, you know, I, I think that the Jazz were down to to seven guys that, that Quinn Snyder trusted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for all of the depth that we talked about last year um, with, with, you know, the Jazz, you know, by by the end of of the playoff run, they were down to seven guys that Quinn set trusted to put up put out there on the floor. And I think Rudy Gay gives you at very minimally gives you eight guys, um, uh, which is more um conducive to to being a better playoff team. Um and I also think Jared Butler makes them better because Hell yes. Love it. <laughs> oh, you were ready for this. Um, Jared Butler makes makes you better because I I think you 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 have a fourth guy uh, in the backcourt that that's that's an NBA player. Um, you know, and the, and I think last year there were there were three. So if if Mike Conley missed the game last year, um, Joe Ingles was playing point guard, and that was that proved to be really detrimental because by the end, uh, by, by the, by the time the playoffs started, Joe Ingles was cooked. He was, was exhausted. So, um, you know, there are two things I would do with Joe Ingles if I were to jazz this year. Number one, I would, I would, I would find some time to rest them during the regular season. And number two, I would not give them any point guard minutes, like none. Even 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 though I know that Joe Ingles can can play point guard and can handle the point, nah, give those men if if Mike Conley misses time, give those minutes to Jared Butler. If Donovan Mitchell misses time, give those minutes to Jared Butler. If Jordan Clarkson misses time, give those minutes to Jared Butler. Um, you know, so uh, I, I think that 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 those two, um, those two. Uh, theoretically, we don't know how it's going to look during the regular season, but theoretically, uh, that makes the Jazz a deeper team. Um, and then, you know, uh, then the Jazz have to work on number one, being a better playoff team, and number two, uh, being a more matchup proof playoff team. This is, there are probably two ways to look at it. And you mentioned one where you're saying if, if you're the Jazz, like the goal is still to figure out a way to go out and get another wing. I think you could also frame this question as, um, this team is in the second consecutive year slated to pay the luxury tax at least. And their bill is not insubstantial at the moment, you know, compared to how much they went over last year. Um, we're talking like their tax payments going to be double digits this year, as of right now, who do you think just based off what the jazz need or what you think could happen this season, who on this roster right now, would you bill as the player most likely to be traded before the deadline? Um, I never like to try to go down that road because I, 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 don't know if 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 saying that is 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 fair to the player. Okay. Um, 
Um, but here's the thing, right? Like if here's the thing, and, and this is what I know of, of, of Justin Zanuck. Um, he, the, the man is not afraid to make a move. Two years ago when, I mean, I, you know, I'll give you a story. I was interviewing Jeff Green when he was waived two years ago in Miami. Like the Jazz had just the the Jazz had just acquired Jordan Clarkson. They had just traded Dante Exum for Jordan Clarkson um, uh, in Miami, um, and you know I was, you know I went up to Jeff and I said, "Hey, you played with Jeff, you know, in Cleveland. You know, can I just talk to you about?" Um, you know, what, what, um, what Jordan brings to the team. And he gives me, you know, like three or four long thoughtful answers. And then I leave the locker room and I get a text from a source. They said, yo, you might want to check this out. I'm hearing that Jeff Green got waived. I was like, the game just ended. (laughs) (laughs) And the source was like, yeah, I know it's cold world. (laughs) And so I made a phone call and I confirmed it. And, um, you know, and me and my colleague, we, we reported the story. And I remember players coming out of the locker room like, what in the world just happened? And, you know, and, and you know, I think that that's the one thing that we know. I think that's the one thing that we really know about Justin Zanuck, like he's if 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 there's a move to be made, he's going to be aggressive and uh, trying to make that move because that's that's just that's just how he's wired as a GM. So, you know, that's a, a long story. I mean, it's a it's a long winded way of saying that if 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 Justin Zanuck feels that there's um, that there's a guy that can help this team with a specific skill set that can help this team and he feels that somebody's got to go then then somebody's gonna go um so um it's i i guess that that's that's the answer that i have or the best answer that i have the and so do do you think justin zanuck and just given how far they are into the tax i think they're like 18 million over or something as of right now like it's a wild it's a wild number do they have the license to stay that far over the tax this season yeah, I, they're fine. I think they're fine for this year. Okay. Uh, I think next summer is when, you know, I think you're going to see some decisions being made, especially if this team goes out in the second round. Like, if this, if this team goes out in the second round and doesn't make a, 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 a strong playoff push, I think that you're going to see a significantly different roster next year. Um, that would make a lot of sense, especially coming back to the urgency conversation we had. Uh, just a couple quick ones before I get you out of here. I think this is an easy answer because there's really only two options, even though you could argue it's matchup dependent. What's going to be their go-to crunch time lineup? Is it just a projected starting five? Do we see maybe Joe Ingles in there instead of, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich at one point? What do you think is just going to end up being their their go-to this season down the stretches of close games? Um, I think that... Actually, I think that's a better question than you think it is. Um, okay. I like it when um, I don't ask terrible questions. I appreciate <laughs> it. 
Um, I, I, so Conley and Mitchell and Gobert are, are, are obvious. Those are your obvious three. And then, you know, and I think, um, I think Royce belongs, uh, all, Royce belongs with that because, you know, he's obvious the guy that, 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 that defends, um, that's going to defend other crunch time scores. So I think those four are most obvious. And then, you know, I, then I think that fifth spot can be rotated. I think it can be Boyan Bogdanovich one night or a couple nights. I think it could be Rudy Gay a couple nights. I think it could be Joe Ingles a couple nights. Um, you know, so um, I think that those those are those are pretty much the the uh, I think the, there are going to be four constants and I think that there are going to be other guys that, that, you know, that fifth spot can kind of rotate a little bit. If you're Quinn Snyder, is there like a weird offbeat unconventional lineup that you would try out just to see what would happen with that group of five guys? I would love to see. I, I, it, it, I think it would be fun to see. Um, Jared Butler, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, um, Joe Ingles, and Rudy Gay. Ooh, that would be fun. That would be a fun lineup. Not only to see because if you have three guys that are just that good off the dribble and that good at creating shots, but I'd I'd love to see if those guys can actually stop anybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to see that lineup. The one I have penciled in is also that three-guard structure with Conley, um, Jared Butler, and Donna Mitchell. I have, you know, it's, it's sort of a less of an oddball cap off with, I want Royce O'Neal and Rudy Gobert in there because I was thinking, was I going too far out there with that three-guard lineup? And like, how would this defense, let me just take the Jazz's two best defenders and throw them next to, to those three. But I just, in general, I would love to see the three guards play together and what that looks like well see and that's the question right like if if rudy gay misses some some regular season time do you throw those three guards together you absolutely i would i would absolutely do it but um quinn snyder is a lot smarter than i am so who knows the actual answer to that question that, right that's the, that's the thing so i mean especially because they're so like size like they're all you know six one or six two yeah you know so you're yeah, so you're gonna have somebody guarding, you know, a six seven guy. Um, but you know, the the gist of the the gist of that is they gotta guard them on the other end. And that could be that could be problematic. Utah's over under as we record this for this season is fifty three point five wins. Would you predict them to hit the over or the under on that? Um, I think they go over. I think this is a really good basketball team. Like great even um you know I, I you know i i happen to think that this team will go 51 and 31 if they have a bunch of injury issues and they don't play well uh so you know if if they have you know a normal season um you know i i, I think they're, they're gonna win a, a a lot of games so i I'm, I'm gonna take the over on that i think i would agree with you there and it also feels like as you know, as I think difficult as it is to sort of come up with a hierarchy in the West, um, maybe this is too ambitious, but when you look at Jamal Murray's injury in Denver, 
Kawhi in Los Angeles, some uncertainty elsewhere. It feels like Utah's floor might be like third in the West this regular season. Is that too high for their floor? Uh, I think that 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 Phoenix, Utah, and the Lakers. Yeah, like that's the tier. Are, are 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 in the top tier in the West. I don't know what order they, those three finish, but I think that, like particularly the Jazz and Phoenix, I think both of those. I think they, I think both of those teams are really really good. Like I think the Jazz are really good. I think the Phoenix is going to be really good. I think the Lakers are going to be a team that, um, you know, might not be really good at first, but by the time the playoffs start, they're really good. Um, you know, I mean, Jamal Murray being out until, you know, March kind of puts them on a different tier. Kawhi being out puts the Clippers on a different tier. Um, you know, I don't think that as good as Luka is, you know, I probably have Dallas fourth uh, at this point. I probably have Golden State somewhere in between fifth, sixth, or seventh. Um, you know, but but those three for me stand out. Dallas is the one that looks like they might be – I would pick them like they could be a really good regular season team with the way they're built. I just – I don't trust anything that Jason Kidd has said during training camp in the preseason. If I'm a Mavs fan, would have me um, – Fucking scared, actually. Pardon my French there. Uh, some of the you, stuff he you said. You don't like that Jason Kidd said he only wants to put up 15 threes a game? Yeah, or wants Christoph Porzingis to dribble into more mid-range jumpers and get in the post more. <laughs> no, that scares – if I'm a Mass fan, that scares the hell out of me. Uh, Tony, is there anything about this team or anyone on this team I did not ask you about that you think needs to be discussed before I release you? Um, no. I think we we've we we've covered it. I think we've had a really good conversation. This is this is dope. I love it. Well, you heard it here first. Jared Butler, rookie of the year pick. Both Tony and I are predicting it at this point. Tony, wait a minute. see now, see now. Wait a minute. I, I didn't say anything about aggregators. Alert, Tony. <laughs> Butler is going to win rookie of the year. <laughs> you know, I I knew I I I knew your carb load and your caffeine would take over at some point. And it's kicking and in. Now the we caffeine are I took is, is kicking in, and I have had lots of – I had some ice cream before this podcast, so I think that's reaching my veins as well. Uh, I knew I knew that this would kick in. I just said that, that Jared Butler might – listen, aggregators, I predict Jared Butler to be the 10th man for the Utah <laughs> <laughs> A top 10 player <laughs> in the NBA. Yes, that's what I heard too. Tony, are you able to tell our listeners where they can find you and um, the awesome work that you do? Uh, you can find me at The Athletic, and um, you can find me at T. Jones on the NBA uh, on Twitter, uh, and you can find me at T. Jones Athletic on Instagram. Um, Ooh, you're on Instagram. But, yes, but I post a lot of pictures of my kids on Instagram and a lot of pictures of me in the gym. So, you know, but I also post, like, videos and jazz stuff. So if you actually like me as a person, you can follow me on Instagram. I'll follow you exclusively for the the gym picks. That's what I'm yeah. going to follow you for on Instagram. Absolutely. I will yeah. say you're a great follower on Twitter because you interact with your with your followers and you also I I don't remember what exactly it was, but I I read it, I sent it to some of my friends, the quote tweet you had this year where someone was saying to you like, "Well, why aren't they testing for like HIV and herpes at the games?" and you you quoted it with, "Are you trying to smash at a basketball game?" And I just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing when I saw that. I sent it to so many people. I was giggling like I was in elementary school. 
I mean, well, that was that was where my mind went. Like he he asked me why they're not texting for sexual sexually transmitted diseases <laughs> at the basketball game, and I was I was confused immediately. Like, wait a minute, are we trying to like, you know, are we trying to watch basketball games? Or are we trying to make babies? Like, pick one or the other, pick a lane. So I didn't think you could do both at a basketball game. So I mean, for me. You know, me having fun at the basketball game is when I go and get a Diet Coke and some Skittles <laughs> at halftime, okay? My man was on a totally different plane. He was like, yo, I mean, we need to we need to test for STDs and we need to do all this. And I was like, wait a minute, what are you doing at halftime of this game? Yeah, it's like, does the NBA have like an OnlyFans league that I didn't know about or something? But I mean, listen, it, those were valid questions at the time. <laughs> um, if that's not an endorsement of why to follow Tony on Twitter, though, uh, I, don't, I don't know what else could be at this point. I mean, he does do great work at The Athletic. So just to reiterate, at T. Jones on the NBA on Twitter, spelled exactly as it sounds. Tony, thank you for giving me an hour of your time on this Sunday night. I, I really appreciate it. And I think, as you know by now, given the amount of times that I will DM you, too, I'm going to pester you again in the future. Hey, listen, I, it is all good, bro. Um, and I appreciate you for for having me on and listen everybody needs to know how uh flexible dan was with me because I, I ran into some 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 father issues uh at a previous time that we were uh that we were supposed to record and he uh really you know he was just like no no problem you know yada 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 we're good and i was, i just want to let you know how how appreciative i was for you being really understanding with that I am blushing red right now. You're too kind. I think uh, the least I could do is be flexible when you give me this much of your time. And as someone who does not have the responsibility of children. So kids, family, definitely more important than this rinky-dink operation over at Hardwood Knox. Um, thank you so much again, though, Tony. This was great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.